Hey everyone! Welcome to the Sprint Race Podcast. My name is Emmett Ridgeway, and today we are talking all about the Sao Paulo E-Prix. Now, I have been so excited for this episode since the beginning of the season because I knew that this would be the first episode of the year live from the paddock. And you know what that means? It means that I have interviews. No more listening to just Emma's thoughts, Emma's opinions, and Emma's voice. That's right, you get to hear from the drivers themselves. I have some pretty cool interviews lined up from the weekend in Sao Paulo, and a lot to say about the race as well. So let's get started. Now, if you have followed for a while, you'll know that this was the first ever race that Formula E did in Brazil. And Sao Paulo was the natural home for the street circuit, given that Interlagos is nearby, given the history with racing drivers from Sao Paulo, including Lucas de Grassi, who was, by the way, mobbed for the weekend. The relationship between Brazil and motorsports has a long history. And so I think going into this weekend, there was a lot of anticipation and I think skepticism as well. So with that in mind, before the race, there was a huge amount of questions about how drivers were going to regenerate the amount of energy needed to finish the race. And there was a lot of anticipation over the fact that this might be the fastest circuit we've ever been to. So a lot of unknowns. And I think that was the biggest challenge going into the weekend And it was really interesting to see how teams were preparing themselves for this particular challenge. From the start of the season, Porsche have pretty much dominated through a mixture of their own very reliable, very fast car, but also some bad luck in the rest of the field, I think it's fair to say as well. But one driver who's been fairly consistent, if you exclude Cape Town, Uh, has been Pascal Verlein. He has a good 20-point lead in the championship at the moment, and this is what he had to say about the track before the race. Yeah, very uh, challenging circuit because it's uh, high speed, but then low speed corners afterwards, which means uh, braking performance will be very important. For the race, I think it it should suit our car quite well, but for qualifying, let's see. I mentioned misfortune. I think that's how one team in particular felt coming into this weekend, and that was Jaguar. Now, Jaguar TCS have arguably one of the best cars. I think they would say so, and I think they've been disappointed because their customer Envision have had a number of podiums this year. They've had a pretty strong car as well, and so a bit of bad luck, a couple of poor decisions. I've mentioned them all on this show before, uh, and so coming into this weekend, especially looking at the importance of regeneration, the importance of having a little bit of extra energy towards the end of the race, I think they were a little bit cautiously hopeful. This is what Mitch Evans, the Jaguar TCS driver, had to say before the race about their season so far and anticipating the upcoming race. Like in terms of pure performance, it's not really been um, it's, it's been really strong up until now, so obviously just trying to continue on that, on the foundations we've built. It was just, just trying to obviously, I mean, a lot of the recent misfortune has just been down to a bit of luck, obviously a little bit of, you know, with the penalty in, in, um, in the last race, just trying to obviously iron our mistakes, but 
in terms of like overall performance, it's been one of our strongest years, but we're just so far down in the championship because obviously we know what happened in India. Um, we just haven't had a been able to catch a break yet. So hopefully this weekend we can have a bit more fortune um, and just kind of a start our, start our season here. This track is going to open up a lot of, a lot of opportunities because there's a lot of long straights, but hopefully we can um, you know complain to our hands. Now, in addition for the need to regenerate a lot of energy from this track in order to get down those main straights, one other factor came into place, something that's been, I guess, creeping up over the last few races and something that's becoming a little bit of a characteristic of these new Gen 3 cars. Here's Mitch Evans again. Listen to what he has to say about the toe. Slipstream advantage over one lap. It's more in the races. Um, there could be a bit of a benefit here. Who knows? Because of the long straights, we're finding that track position in the race is is key, and that doesn't mean exactly being at the front. It just means being in the right place, the right time. There's obviously a massive toe effect of these cars now. They're very draggy. I probably shouldn't say that, but they are draggy. Um, yeah, they're just it's creating a different dynamic in the in the races. So. We've seen it from the first few races of the season that this Gen 3 car has quite a big toe effect. And that means that the front car is at a bit of a disadvantage due to the fact that they're the one essentially you know, breaking through the air. And it's meant that a lot of drivers don't necessarily want to lead the race. But as someone who you know watches it as a fan, follows it closely, but doesn't have access to a lot of the data. This track in particular in Sao Paulo, because it has so many straights, it was basically going to be evidential as to whether that theory is true. And on race day, the prospect of the unknown was incredibly exciting. Now, a note on Brazil itself. I mentioned that there was a little bit of skepticism coming into the race. I knew a couple of people who were coming to the track and they've never seen a Formula E race before. So I know for a fact that there were new fans to the sport who had perhaps heard that this was coming to town and made their way to the track. Lucas Degrassi, the homegrown driver who has been in Formula E since the start and was essential in getting the race to Sao Paulo in the first place, was completely mobbed. I think a lot of people came to the race to see him. It's amazing that that happened. It's amazing that people came out to see the race and hopefully they had a good time. But before that point, before the race, before the lights went out, I think people truly didn't know what to expect. And so the pressure on the race was very high. And well, the race itself was phenomenal. I know I'm saying that as someone who was there. I'm biased and I know that. I, you know, I'm giving you my, my thoughts and opinions. But as you know from many times in my Formula One analysis, if something is rubbish, terrible, dreadful, I will say so. I think this was one of the best races I've ever watched in Formula E. I think that the drama right down to the end, right down to the last lap, was exactly what this sport needed and exactly what this race needed as well. So what happened? Well, it was exactly as the driver said nobody really wanted to take the lead. That being said, I was surprised that the pole sitter Stoffel van Dorn spent so long at the front of the race. Of the first 14 laps of the race, and bear in mind this is when you don't know the energy that's left in the other cars, he spent 12 of those in the lead. And so when the energy was revealed, he was a good percent and a half down to Nick Cassidy and Mitch Evans who were chasing. 
We did anticipate that there would be a fair bit of back and forth between the Jaguar powertrains of the Envision cars and Jaguar and the Porsche cars as well. And we knew that there would be a fair amount of overtaking going into this race to the point where the championship leader who had a terrible qualifying in P18 managed to get up to fourth place. The race had a lot of incidents. There was some safety cars, a couple of cars made mistakes, but up at the front, there was a bit of a dance going on. So we're getting towards the end of the race. There are probably five cars that could go on and win, but they all have to make their move at the right time. I think in other formulas like Formula One, for example, because you know that overtaking is so difficult, if the top three is a particular order, then you know, it's over. Doesn't matter if there's 20 laps to go, you know that that's how it's going to finish. In this race, because of the slipstream, because of the overtaking opportunities and the energy, I had no idea who was going to win right up until the final lap. And given the cautious optimism from both Jaguar drivers, I was listening to Mitch Evans' radio throughout the race, and there was quite a few times where he was talking to his engineer, and he was essentially saying, I want to make the move now. I want to go now. I think there was definitely some concern with him because we saw an incident between Jake Dennis and Dan Tickdom that put Jake Dennis out of the race, and it was completely not his fault. So I understand that Evans just didn't want to be sandwiched between two drivers, especially with some fast drivers coming from behind. And unfortunately for Jaguar TCS, they've not been as sharp in terms of strategic calls for the beginning of the season. And so I think there was a little bit of nervousness. And when he did push for the lead, it was with his own teammate chasing him and with just three laps to go. But credit to Nick Cassidy, who, by the way, has been you know, fairly consistent over the last few races. I think he got a little bit lucky in Hyderabad, but you know, in Cape Town and now in Sao Paulo, he's shown that he's quite in tune with that car. I fully anticipated Sam Bird to overtake Nick Cassidy and then potentially go on to try and challenge his teammate for the win but Cassidy held his ground and actually came back at Mitch Evans and there was a three-way fight for the lead. Cue one of the most stressful laps I've ever watched in my life. As soon as Mitch Evans, who by the way had been managing his own race pretty well with his engineers, took the lead, within one lap started to feel that disadvantage and it was that moment that showed how powerful that slipstream is. So all of a sudden, the momentum swings back towards Cassidy, and it looks as though Evans has potentially made the jump for the lead maybe one lap too soon, and so he has to defend super hard going into that final lap. Bear in mind that it isn't just Cassidy behind, there's also his teammate there. This was such an amazing final lap, because any of those drivers could have gone on to win, and it actually went to the last corner. All three cars came out of that final bend, and... It was essentially a race to the line. The winner ended up being Mitch Evans, followed by Nick Cassidy, followed by Sam Bird, in what ended up being a 1-2-3 for Jaguar powertrains. And after the dominant start to the season by Porsche, it was an amazing weekend for Jaguar. And after the start of the season that they've had, they must have been so relieved that everything finally came together. 
yeah, it was tricky and it was a fight up until the end, but I think everyone knew that it would be. And in such a strategic race as well, I'm sure they were delighted. I was very happy to speak to uh, both Jaguar TCS drivers at the end of the race. Here is what Sam Bird had to say. I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the event. I think it was a really fun, exciting uh, place to come. I think it made a fun race. I, I mean, I haven't watched it back. I need to. Uh, but I think, I think it seemed like there was a lot going on. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed the event. I, I stand here and, pardon me, yeah, it's delighted I've got a podium. Disappointed I didn't win because I felt like I had the energy and the pace to do that. Once I got into third, just to cruise up to the back of the leaders. But, you know, after, after what happened with, uh, with my mistake in India, the last thing I wanted to do was something similar. So, settle. That comment there from Sam saying that he could have won the race, I think shows just how close that battle was. I truly thought that too. I thought that any of those top three drivers could have gone on to win that race. I also got to speak to Mitch Evans at the end of the race, only this time as the winner of the race. Relief, not overly surprised, and I don't mean to sound arrogant when I can say that. It's just we've had a really strong start to the year performance-wise, just not been able to show it. I could have had like two victories up until this point, including this one, and um, this has not happened. So just really happy to convert and a um, bit of, let's say a little bit of relief just because we've had a tough start and I've, I've dropped obviously ground in the championship, but we needed to have a strong result this weekend. Um, obviously the car performance has been fantastic. A Jugger 1, 2, 3, a Kiwi 1, 2. So um, yeah, really happy. It made the racing amazing, I think. Um, a really hard race to manage from a you know strategy point of view to play your cards right at the right time. Um, it was not easy to manage, but um, I think it opened up, yeah, a really exposed, um, you know, how the energy management works and, and uh, really showed people, you know, how we, how we try and optimize these cars. So, um, yeah, it's been a tricky, tricky track because it's very hot, interesting surface. So even for one lap, it's not easy to get right, but um, the car's been working well. And when the car works well, it makes my job a bit easier. So, uh, yeah. I love hearing the thoughts of drivers post-race, especially if they're on the podium, especially if they won, because you really get an insight into how they're taking this win. Both Jaguar TCS drivers were very happy with the podium, but it's clear now, given the work that they've done over the last few weeks, given the way that they approached this race in particular, they want to go and do more. They want to go and fight for the title this season. They've got a lot of work to do, given the lead that Porsche have, particularly Pascal Verline right now, but this was a real show of dominance. Porsche have been on the podium for every single race so far this season, and Jaguar powertrains completely locked out the podium, something that even Porsche themselves haven't yet done. So it feels as though the rest of the season is now pretty much wide open. After a run of three new tracks in a row, three new countries in a row. I think a lot of new fans are coming to Formula E and they're looking for a, a fair bit of excitement. I feel like Formula E is providing that right now. Is it perfect by any means? No. I think outside of the race, there's a couple of issues, but the races themselves have been pretty spectacular. I think they've gotten better and better throughout the year. And so going into Berlin, I'm hoping that that will continue. But I think the event in Sao Paulo was a real success. I know that from people who attended and the drivers that I did speak to after the race also loved the track as well. 
They loved the speed, they loved the fact that it was more strategic, and they loved Brazil. So I think that we will come back here. I really hope that we do, because the event to me was just an enormous success. So that's it for me for this episode. The next race that I will be attending is the Monaco E-Prix. But in the meantime, I will be back with a Formula One podcast after the Melbourne Grand Prix next week. So until next time, as always, thank you very much for tuning in.